We've just finished half the book, Romans 8, 16 chapters. We just finished the first half, and it's a natural break. The, the next section is verses nine, chapters 9 through 11, which is one argument that's, that's intricately tied together. And once we start there, we really, there's no off-ramp until we finish it. So looking ahead and talking with the staff and with the elders, we, there are some things that we wanted to talk about that, that really don't show up on the radar in Romans 9 through 11 that we would take, we decided to take a little break for a month or so to, to address in our body. And I want to confess to you, when we were looking at this list and when I was developing this list, this is the one that made me most nervous. I, I, I found out something at 52 years old that I really like being liked. Maybe I'm late figuring this out. I like it when people like me. I don't like it when people don't like me. I like it when people like what I say. I don't like it when people don't like what I say. But today, I'm going to probably step on some toes and air hoses of all of us, me at the head of the list. We're going to sit at the feet of a passage that is so encouraging and so corrective that it really needs to push reset for all of us in our thinking about the church. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Peter says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Temptations plague the American evangelical church like nowhere else in the world. We face temptations when we think about the church in some unique ways that underdeveloped countries really don't think about. And looking at some literature and looking at some books, I've, I've kind of compiled some some of what the criticisms of American evangelicalism are. These are not mine that I invented. These are a compilation of several authors. Uh, Gary Gilley and John MacArthur in particular have been helpful in, in pulling this list together. Gary Gilley's little book, um, This Little Church Went to Market, and John MacArthur's book, Ashamed of the Gospel, address both of these, uh, all this issue head on. For example, we have a temptation to treat church like a department store. There are lots of departments, and you can shop in any department you want, get what you desire, and leave the rest without any interest or even wandering through that perfume aisle. We can treat the church like an all-inclusive hotel. You feel like you paid for service, and you want that service at the highest level. One time, Kim and I were given a gift. We went to an all-inclusive hotel. You know what that is? It means, I didn't really know until we got there. It means that you don't pay for anything. The meals are included. The weight room is included. Uh, the, the beach towels are included. Everything is included. It's all paid for. And after about a day of that, you start feeling like the emperor. Uh, bring me an iced tea or two with lime and lemon and extra ice. In fact, two of them. In fact, keep bringing it. You just, 
You just feel like these people, I paid for this, even though I didn't. I paid for this, and I want to get everything out of it that, that it owes me. Some people treat the church like that. Others treat the church like an all-you-care-to-eat buffet. You can have as much of what you want, but you can leave the things you don't want that aren't your favorite things. Ever notice how the all-you-can-eat buffets, the broccoli just stays full all the time? In the church, it's like having your children in the ministry without having any other involvement. You want people to help with your students. Being in the youth or singles group without any other commitment to the church, we can go on and on and on. We treat it like a buffet. I'll come and take what I want and leave what I don't want. Others treat the church like an urgent care clinic. I don't really care what Rick or the elders or my care group leader or the pastor says unless I'm in trouble then. I want them on speed dial and I want them there now. Or treating the church like Starbucks. You define exactly what you want and you get what you want and it's on your terms. I was behind a lady in Starbucks the other day and it took her about 12 minutes to order this drink with so many adjectives, I, couldn't, I, didn't, I didn't even recognize what it was at the end. We can treat the church that way. This one's hard. I wish this one, if this one were mine, I would have left it out. But let me just tell you what one author said. We treat the church like an ice skating competition where we're the judges. And we give scores to the sermons, scores to the children's department, scores to the cleanliness, scores. We hold up cards, and then we talk with other judges about how we can improve. You score everything from the sermon to the coffee creamers. Others treat the church leaders like a referee in a football game. Oh, when they make decisions that go your way, they're, they're heroes. And when they don't, well, what do you do at the TV when the referee makes a call that you don't like? We complain like a squealing pig. It's easy to question decisions when you're not even in the game. Now, you put all this together, and Gilly and uh, MacArthur are, are very keen to point out that this is really nothing other than church consumerism. Consumerism is where you come to church expecting, as a consumer, certain products to be provided so that the church is a service organization for you or for us. We treat the church like it exists to serve us and to serve our desires. Now, please don't misunderstand. There are indeed biblically defined and biblically ordained needs for which God has designed the church. There are. There are spiritual needs and there are spiritual dimensions and there are spiritual issues. But understand that the church is defined by God. And what the church is and what the church is for us might rearrange our expectations when we let God's word define what church actually is. What our involvement in her is to be like. I think oftentimes when the Issues like we've been talking about are addressed, especially from the pulpit. It's easy to shrug it off, even, even worse, to let our minds race to other people we know who need to hear this sermon. And you're probably right, as long as we join them in the pew. And I, I want to tell you, this is not, I don't have the shepherd's crook and I'm turned the crook side over and I have the rod side and I'm beating the sheep today. I am in the front row feeling the correction of the Lord with all of the things we're going to be studying Here's a test. 
Think of the last time that you were disappointed with the church or our church, angry at the church or our church, frustrated with the church or our church. Were the issues that you're really upset about biblical? Were they about biblical convictions or were they about how somehow the church isn't quite fitting into your comfort zone, your lifestyle, and your convenience? Did any of those frustrations come from a consumeristic mindset? Well, let me give you a couple of caveats as we approach this text. Not everyone here at Mission Road Bible Church approaches our church consumeristically. In fact, I would say most people don't. But I would say all of us do in certain categories. I couldn't sit with the elders and say, there's four people who approach Mission Road, only yes, consumers, and we're gonna church discipline them tomorrow. I don't think I could find that, but I could probably sit and talk with any of us at lunch this afternoon and all of us could align ourselves around different inclinations of our heart that, that, that reveal that we come consumeristically. We have some of the most faithful and service-oriented people here at Mission Road that I've ever seen in my Christian experience. They serve and serve and serve until they're exhausted. And they take a nap and serve again. I can't tell you the number of times that we've sat in a staff or an elders meeting or I've sat at my dining room table with my wife and my boys and talked about some of you by name and just said, what an example. What, how do they have time to do what they do? What are they saying no to to do what they do for our body? It's so encouraging. But let me say this too. If you have a question about the church, our church, and you push that question, you ask that question, that's not necessarily consumeristic. Any of you can ask anything of me or the pastors or elders anytime you want. Announcement, newsflash, we are not infallible. We're not perfect. We're trying to do the best we can to honor what the Bible says to do and what not to do, and also how the Bible informs wisdom on what's not in the Bible, like what time you start and in church, and, and whether you have Sunday school here or there, or whether you have Sunday night. And when it, all of those things are application of wisdom. We're doing our best and would love to have any uh, comments or questions that you have anytime. You're always welcome to do that. We're not the pontificates who figure this out, and we come with these, these pearls of wisdom that we've discerned at Six o'clock on Thursday morning. If you want to come to an elders meeting, you can. You just have to come at six o'clock on Thursday morning. Here's where we are in church, in our church. We've experienced a, a pretty dramatic growth in numbers in the last year, especially marking toward January. I think we've added north of 100 people just since January. Now, we can all be excited about that. We can, we can rejoice and see what the Lord is doing there. But that also puts stresses and strains and burdens on, on the leadership. And it should put on all of us for what do we do with these souls? These are not just people who come. These are souls who just happen to have bodies for a few years. And they'll jettison them and get new ones in heaven. These are real souls that need shepherding. As we've grown, we're, we're, we're doing some analytics too. Well, you have to. Uh, in a few weeks, uh, our deacons are going to, who are so, 
faithful in looking at our finances and taking care of that. It's our deacons who do that even more than our staff. They're going to give you a presentation, and it's going to be a little bit surprising that you know, we've grown probably between 100 and 200 over the last uh, two years or so, and our, our giving and our volunteers have remained the same. Please, please, please don't stop liking me. I hate saying those things, but, but it's true. I mean, if you were in my loafers, lace-ups today, if you were in my lace-ups, and you were looking at that and saying, we keep growing in numbers, but this, the volunteers and the, the, the financial numbers stay the same. How, how You can help me. How do we uh, analyze that? How do, what, do, what, what do we make uh, of that? This morning, I want to address the collateral reality that comes with growing numbers. Part of that is the same people who are volunteering the same people who are giving, the same people who are serving are doing so over and over and over again in so many different ministries. So how do we respond? We don't respond by feeling guilty. We don't respond by feeling bad. We don't respond by feeling a need just because it's there. We respond by asking God, what, what's your perspective on this? God's perspective on what we're talking about is here in 1 Peter chapter 4. Now the context is very important here. I want to. I want to talk. I want to give you some observations about the context before we drill down into what's actually happening in the verses we're going to look at. So this is before we get to our outline. But I want. I want to look at what's going on around the meat of this passage. What's the bread around the meat? The meat, by the way, is going to be how you serve. But what's the bread around that meat? Look at verse ten. As each one has received a special gift, employ it, deploy it, use it. In serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now let's back up from that for a second. First, notice that each believer has been gifted by God. You understand that you have been spiritually gifted by God. You have gifts. And I don't know anyone who just has one. And you say, well, I don't know what my gifts are. In a few months... We're going to get to Romans chapter 12, which is on spiritual gifts. And we're going to look intensely at what that means for us and evaluate our own uh, uh, life experience against it, against those gifts and, and find out where we are. But if you don't know what your gifts are, here's a, here's a challenge. Try them all. Just serve and, and see where the Lord blesses you. We'll get to that in a moment. But as you've received a gift, look at what it says in verse 10. Deploy it. Use it. In serving one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You are vital to our church ministry here at Mission Road. You're not collateral, you're central. You're not the B team, you're the A team. You're not on the bench, you're on the field. You matter in how healthy our church is. Secondly, notice that these gifts are given by God for serving one another. It's not your gift to enjoy. I have a preaching, speaking gift. This is not mine to, to do and then, then go home and watch my own videos and be appreciative of what I said. Uh, I remember when I was in a, a degree program that, that caused me to have to 
DVD, take a, a tape of a series of sermons, then I had to watch them. That was the most painful bamboo shoots under my fingernails I have ever experienced in my life. My wife won't even listen to me uh, um, if, if a sermon of mine comes on or something because all I do is criticize it. Would you finish? That's, I can't, that's awful. And I'm just talking to this short guy in a striped tie on the, if yours is to serve others, it's not to enjoy your service in others. Gifts are for other people, and they're for the body. It's for the ministry of your siblings here at Mission Road Bible Church. Thirdly, your gifts are a stewardship from God of his, look what it says, manifold grace. Poikilos, interesting word. It means multicolored, multidimensional, diversified, many kinds, diverse, various. That's how many kinds of demonstrations of God's grace there are. The manifold grace of God. Grace, grace, grace. Everything we have is grace. Everything we give is gracious. People who have struggles with consumerism in the church are people who don't understand the manifold gift of God's grace to us. That those to whom much is given, say it with me, much is required. And also jump down at verse at the end of verse 11. Look at the end of this, this other piece of bread on this meat. The glory of God is the goal and motivation because God deserves it. Everything in life in life is to be done to and for the glory of God. He is the reason that we live. He's the reason we have a heartbeat. He's the reason who, that we, we do what we do. He's the reason we don't do what we don't do. Look at that last, so that. So that in all things, specifically here, our service, God may be made much of, glorified, pointed to. How? Through Jesus Christ. Everything we do is Christ-centered. And then he says, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. He deserves the glory. He's also the king. That's the word dominion. He is the one who is the superior. We are the ones who are the inferiors. He is the master. We are the slaves. He is the king. We are the servants. We're the citizens. He's the king. And everything we do is in service to our great king. He tells us what to do. We talked about, Dr. Block talked about this last weekend at our worship conference, but Americans have struggles with any kind of demonstration of um, submission. We just don't want to be submissive to anybody. To be submissive to the King of kings and Lord of lords means that by, by very nature we submit ourselves one to the other. What does Paul say to, the, to, to married people in Ephesians? Because Christ is king, submit yourself therefore to one another. Does this matter to us that God is king? Does the greatness of God matter in what we do at church personally and corporately and in how we do it? American evangelicalism needs to pay attention to the news flash that, guess what? Church is about God. Now, the fact that we have to explain that statement is problematic in and of itself. The church is not for us before it's for God, and then we get all the blessings that the church is for us. Is our ministry truly and genuinely about God, or is our first reflex about how church is for and about us? 
So with all that as an introduction, I'm going to be very simple because this is a very simple passage. There are two opportunities for glorifying God in the church that Peter outlines here. Two opportunities for glorifying God, that's the sandwich, the bread, glorifying God in the church, and it's related to gifts or gifting. There are two kinds of gifts. Look at the, let's look at the first one together, teaching gifts, teaching gifts. Verse 11, he says, we're, we're doing this all to serve God. We're doing this all to serve the body. The first, whoever speaks, verse 11, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. This is talking about a pedagogical gift, someone who's an instructor or a teacher. It's not just the guy standing up in front behind the pulpit. It's the Sunday school teacher downstairs. It's the care group leader. It's the person who's meeting with people at Starbucks and having discipleship. If you're speaking, if you're using your voice on behalf of God, Peter says, do so as if you were speaking the very utterances of the divine. Peter is outlining the fact that there are two categories of gifts that we'll look at here in a minute. Speaking gifts and serving gifts. Now, it doesn't mean that you have one or the other. I hope all of you have some dimension of both. But there's definitely an accent with some more than others. This speaking gift is the first one. And we're to speak or teach or instruct as if we were actually speaking the utterances of God. That just floors me and makes me tremble. That on Sunday mornings, I stand in this sacred piece of real estate in Prairie Village and say things to you that are accountable to God as if he would have said them. This phrase has made me more than once think, I'm not sure if I really want to do this. There are other ways to serve that don't demand this kind of intensity. I want to confess to you, when, when there are early mornings and late nights and, a, and, and study time is cramped, things happen in the church and you need to still be prepared on Sunday morning because you have a, a gracious, expectant church who actually expects something to be said about the Bible on Sundays. The, your pressure is on me. I keep going back to this. I have to say, whatever I say has to be as if God were saying it. And the only way you can do that accurately is to understand what he said accurately. It's a tremendous burden. And that's not just here. That, that's for the three-year-olds. That's for the fourth graders. That's for the junior hires, the senior hires, and the collegians, and the singles, and the young marrieds, and the, the people who are measuring their life in weeks that are left and not years. If we speak on behalf of God, it ought to be so closely identifiable with what he's already said that it's as if God himself were speaking. The phrase is used in Romans 3, 2 and in Acts, 3, Acts 7, 38 as the very words out of God's mouth that are scripture. It's interesting. So the only way you can speak as if you were speaking in the mouth of God, the oracles of God, is if you're explaining accurately what the Bible says. Now, there's more than just this when it comes to speaking gifts. If you look at the lists in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, it includes many kinds of gifts involving speaking. Evangelism, encouragement, leadership, all of those involve using your mouth. The bottom line is if you're saying anything on behalf of God, God says it better line up with what I think and what I've said. Does that make sense? It's pretty, pretty clear. 
If you have a speaking gift, it ought to be in accord with God's word. Very, very simple. One of the things I want us to do at Mission Road is to develop teachers at every level, training, teacher training at every level. We need to do a better job at training, equipping, what it means to explore hermeneutics, the principles of interpretation, homiletics, what, does it mean, what it means to present the truth of God in an effective way so that people understand how to illustrate, introduce, conclude. All of those things matter because we want to be clear. We want to be clear. So if you have a speaking gift, use it as if you were speaking the very utterances of God. No pressure. But here's where the, the larger group of gifting is in the church. And we can say it this way. It's not that speaking is more important. If you just look at the numbers, serving is probably more important because God gifted more people to serve than to speak. Look at the middle of verse 11. We've looked at whoever speaks. Now, whoever serves, whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. And then that last piece of bread that sandwiches it according to the glory of God because he's the king and deserves it. Serving is what most of us are gifted by or with. We can say it this way. Even if you have speaking gifts, I think all of us have been gifted to serve. Romans 12, 1, you know it well. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. What does it say next? Which is your spiritual service of worship. See what Paul's doing there? Worship is connected to how we serve. So what is service? Well, believers are to take our gifts seriously, to exercise them with an attitude of dependence on the great king who enables us by the manifold gifts of his grace, speaking the words of God if we're doing that, and serving if we're serving it. Look at what it says. By the strength of God. And we do it the right way, and he'll get the praise. So what does serving mean? Let me give you a, a, a real simple definition. Serving includes... I'm going to say it a couple times. You don't have to write it down, but I want you to get it. Any type of assisting or encouraging ministry, any type of assisting or encouraging ministry that directly targets the benefit of others within the body of Christ. Now think about that. Any type of assistance assisting or encouraging encouragement any type of assisting or encouraging ministry that targets the benefits of others within the body of Christ so that we exist for them and not so much for ourselves if you look at 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, there are lots of serving gifts. They're contributing to the needs of others. There's giving as a gift, showing mercy, encouragement. So where are you? If you're a Christian, you have been gifted by God. And if you've been gifted by God, it's for the benefit of others. How are we doing? You see how service is the exact opposite of being consumeristic? Service comes to church and says, what can I do for the glory of God to make much of him and to make everyone who came to church accept me 
have a better experience in worship time with God. You say, well, what about me? If everyone did that, wouldn't all of our needs be met? Wouldn't we be served too if others were doing it? And if no one else does it, are you willing to be the one who serves? Do you have a speaking gift? Do you have a serving gift? Or do we come to church thinking, hmm, I wonder what Mission Road has for me today. Uh, We kind of joke all the time about Sunday morning being Saturday night. It does. It's not just going so you can hear a sermon. It's not just going so you can have a Sunday school. It's not just just going to get. And getting is part of church. I hope so. I study hard. Please get something, okay? Please. I understand that getting something is important. But do you come to church ready to deploy your gift? Do you walk in the atrium thinking, radar, beeps everywhere, needs, 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 I am here to serve? Do you come to care group that way? Do you have lunch with people that way? Are you spilling your life out for the glory of God and the good, the common good of believers? You know what will happen if that happens? You know what will really happen if that happens? If you're faithful to that, if I'm faithful to that, John 13, Jesus says, they, the world, they will know that you love me when you love or serve one another. This is not an all-inclusive hotel where you feel like you paid for services and you're going to get them. Let's flip the analogy. This is the household of God in which he has paid with his blood all of the services and deploys us as his slaves. Now that was the introduction to a couple things I need to talk about. Please pray for your pastor and your pastors and your elders because we are facing ongoing challenges of trying to, trying to do ministry with more people Uh, do ministry in this building for more people than it was designed for. I know you look at, well, there's blank seats here. We also have a couple of services. And and I know you're looking at at some full classes downstairs and some others. It's it's a logistical challenge. And you can pray for especially Bob, who's always playing chess on this most intricate spreadsheet on how we can do this and that. Last year, about this time, in fact, last year this month, we went to our second service, two services. And what we did is we said, we're going to try to keep people together as much as possible. So we have first service, which the faithful people come to, right? That's the most amens I've got from there. We have first service, and then we have the Sunday school common hour, and then we have the second service. Now, backing up from that, let me tell you where that's stressing and straining us. It's stressing and straining us downstairs from this standpoint. Now, I want you to count, okay? Ready? First service, that's number one. Say it with me, one, okay, got it? Sunday school, that's? Worship service, that's? That means there are three blocks of dealing with our little disciples downstairs that's becoming increasingly difficult. 
We are regularly anywhere from 8 to 15 volunteers short downstairs every single week. And for those of you who are tapped and on the shoulder and, and said, please help, and you go downstairs so often, thank you, thank you. I think I can say this on behalf of God, thank you. But we also recognize that as the numbers increase, we can't sustain that. So last year, if you'll rewind the tape, we said that was a, that was a short-term solution to do three blocks. Remember, first service, Sunday school, second. So in the next few months, we're going to have to flip to two. How many of you have been to a church with what they call mirrored services, two services? A lot of you. What that means is there, instead of three, there are two. And uh, we, we don't have a big common Sunday school anymore. We, we break up and we do a Sunday school um, um, uh, you know, in some smaller classes. We, we just can't sustain what we're doing right now, and that's, that's what we're moving to. If you'll remember, we said that that's where we're going to end up last, this time last year. Now, knowing that complaining is a sin, I'm going to try not to complain. But I will repent after I say this. This is not my favorite thing to do. I would rather us be in one big service. I mean, I, maybe we could just like do some bleachers up or something. We could, I, would, I would love for us to be in one. I know that this splits us up in, in some undesirable ways. I, I get it. You just need to feel the burden of people trying to staff the service for your children downstairs. And folks, it's not working. It's just not working. Um, so we, we, we we're following the lead of the Lord, I think, to say that the structure isn't facilitating what we're trying to do. So um, we're, we're working on times. It's, you're probably going to be out earlier than you think. Um, if we, when we go this, this structure, uh, probably not more than 11, 15 or so. We're working out all those details right now, but in full disclosure, I just want to tell you what we're praying about, what we're thinking, but we don't have lots of choices. This is not the result of us, you know, going out. Man, there's a lot of Starbucks in today's uh, sermon. Going out to Starbucks, yeah, let's just go to two services and, and a mirrored Sunday school and not worry about it. I know there are thousands of questions already flashing through your mind. What about my junior high? What about high schooler? Do I sit with them in the service? What about, I, I get it. We're working all that out as, as detailed as we can. But just understand that we are, this is the, the we're not live streaming on the first hour, so I can probably be a little bit more straightforward with you. We're in danger right now of having to shut down our children's division downstairs because we don't have enough volunteers to be in code with the law or our insurance company. It's not like, well, I can have 40 kids. I'm a, I have a lasso and a whip. That's, we have to have certain proportions and stuff, so understand that. So um, I don't know if it's going to be November 1, I mean, not, won't be on November 1, or December 1, or January 1. We're working all that out, but that's what we're going to end up going to. I just want you to understand why. But that's collateral to the fact that what we need to do is figure out how we can serve and serve better to make this place hum. Um, pray for us. I, 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 you have lots of questions, so do I. We're working it all out. And uh, it's not that we keep reinventing church or... We're calling audibles. Sometimes, if you, if you understand football, you get up to the line and it's not what you had planned. There's something else and you have to respond to that. And that's exactly what we're having to do. But for the record, we said a year ago that this was where we're going to eventually have to end up. And that's part of my complaint. Can I just tell you something else? An interesting statistic. 
One of the ideas was we wanted to have a touch point in, um, in the Sunday school hour, you know, the common Sunday school. Let me give you a statistic. Only one in four or one in five adults actually attend Sunday school at Mission Road Bible Church. So to rearrange our entire philosophy of ministry over a common Sunday school just doesn't even make sense anymore. Um, now, does that mean that sitting out in the atrium and having coffee with someone is bad time? Not at all. We're not saying that at all. We're just responding and using the building in our best ideas to glorify God and to affect ministry. So, you have lots of questions. I have some answers, not, not a lot of them. We're going to be talking about this. We'll have a, a Sunday night here in a few weeks where we're just going to have a kind of an open forum and pray and talk about this. Just understand why we make the decisions we do about the structure we do. No, we're not sitting in staff meeting thinking, hmm, wonder how we can dis- disrupt everybody's life this month. It's not at all. We're trying to serve the body here. If you want to learn how to teach, use a speaking gift. We're going to talk about some teaching uh, opportunities, teaching, teaching opportunities. If you want to serve, look in your bulletin for a few ideas. If you have your bulletins, pull that out. There are some specific needs we have last week. I don't mean right now. I mean they're already in existence. Nursery and children's ministry, welcome center, ushers, um, welcome center and ushers, uh, choir, building maintenance, landscaping, coffee, is that a spiritual gift? Anyway, um, uh, service and, and the music, worship team, worship service, lyrics, PowerPoint, running it from the back, hospitality, uh, outreach to Prairie Village, different events we have, Sunday school check-in. We, how do I, how do I say this? I'm just going to say it. We don't have enough money to pay people to do all these things. Bigger churches do. So we either do this or we don't have them. (laughs) There's really no other way to say it. And who does it? Before you look around, let's look in the mirror. It's about making investments with our lives into others who may not ever even pay us back. Some of you who are working in the toddlers or the three-year-olds or the four-year-olds or the fifth grade, some of you there's junior or senior high, you may never, ever, ever get an attaboy or a thank you very much from them. But you will get well done, good and faithful servant from Jesus. That's a pretty good carrot in front of the horse, isn't it? Do you know your place in the church? Do you know your place in the church? Now, please know my heart. This is not a spiritual spanking this morning. This is a huddle. Let's huddle up. Let's look at what we got to do, and and let's do it. I have never been more excited about ministry, about Mission Road than I am now. I, I drive to church every morning praying and thanking God that I get to do this here with you. There's no other place that I could think of or imagine wanting to be and no other people I want to be doing this with you, but let's do it. Let's do it together. I I just saw a few faces right now that I know are the first to volunteer, the first to serve, the first to thank you. Let's all just be aware. I'm I'm actually assuming that most most of these issues are just simple unawarenesses. And you have been so well served, you just assume, well, there's really no other needs.
So let's go back to the beginning. You still like me? Ginger's saying no. Thank you, Ginger, for that encouragement. I appreciate that. It's really not about that. These are hard things to talk about. But isn't it exciting to talk about them? Isn't it exciting to have to talk about these things? I mean, we could be going the other way and wondering how we're going to pay the lots because nobody's coming or giving. That's not what we're doing. What a gift God has given Mission Road Bible Church. And I am so humbled to be able to be one of your pastors. Because of a great God, because of an incredible gospel, we get to serve one another. And if we do, I want Kansas City to take notice because there are a group of people at 7820 Mission Road who have an inexplicable, uncanny, unexplainable devotion to one another that can only be traced back to the work of God in our lives. Let's pray together. Instead of having a big closing prayer, I just want to give you a moment to reflect and do you have speaking gifts, serving gifts, or both? Are you deploying them? I didn't even get into the issue of membership. The official capacities you need to be a member for, are you, will you join us officially and be accountable to us and us to you in membership? Do you know your place in the church? You know what position God has gifted you? Are you a second base shortstop? Are you a pitcher, a catcher, a right fielder? Are you a groundskeeper? Are you the guy serving carbonated Coca-Cola and Pepsi products in the stands? What, what, what are you doing? What has God gifted you in? Are you doing it? I can promise you this. You will be so fulfilled if you are. So, Father, please... Give us an awareness of our giftedness and our gifting. Give us an awareness of others and our service. And as we do that, Lord, meet our needs. Serve our souls. Help us to see the beautiful value that you invented when you made the church your body with arms and legs and fingers and toes and eyes and noses and eyelashes and hair and bones and flesh so that we would be served through the body by you as our head. Excite us, encourage us, help us to look at this next chapter of Mission Road as written by you in eternity and enjoyed by us in time. Because of Christ, amen.